worst president that God ever created. Well, what do you know? <laughs> well, I forgot to mention that. And now, live from Madison, Wisconsin's high noon saloon, cold beer, hot music, uh, nothing I wrong with that. It's Michael Feldman's What Do You Know? Thank brought you. to you by Borukim's oh. Oriental Rugs of Madison. Once Thanks. you go Bijar, you never go back. Persian B-I-J-A-R dot com. Tell Albert Michael sent you. And by the Wisconsin Greenhouse Company, sales, installations, lighting, and repairs. Check them out at wisconsingreenhousecompany.com. Today we welcome the prolific and much-loved novelist and short story writer T.C. Boyle, whose latest, The Terranauts, charts the travails of eight individuals attempting to live on Earth. To my right is John Tulane, keyboard offhand remarks. By his side, that stand-up guy on stand-up bass, Jeff Hammond. Straight ahead, so to speak, Lyle Anderson, Carol Unner, and phone answerer, and myself, most definitely, Stephanie Lee. And now, the man who says, the good news is, Caligula was only in office four years, Michael Feldman. Oh, you heard that one. People that know me like me. I like that one the best, I guess. Well, how are you? Pretty good then? Yeah. We're fine here in Madison. Don't worry about us. We've been through this before. When Caligula first got elected, it was hard here, too, but we got through. Uh, the good news is I saved a bundle on my car insurance. Okay. Well, Hillary says if she had to do it all over again, she would not run as a woman. You knew it was all over Wednesday morning. <laughs> you knew it was all over Wednesday morning when uh, Trump's Twitter account was restored. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: he doesn't follow back. You know, so I dropped him. The upside <laughs> of the Trump election is that it proves in America anybody can be elected president. The downside is that in America anybody can be elected president. <laughs> hey, no experience or temperament needed. I might give it a go. I could run. Oh, please, don't encourage me. Uh, nice to hear no pundits, though, in the trees, chirping away. That's, that's a good thing. Pundit comes from the uh, Sanskrit, you know, for blowing it out your ass. <laughs> Sanskrit, look it up. Anyway, this will be a challenge to the American system of government and the inertiaocracy to see if everything keeps running no matter what this time. You're not with me on that one, okay? But trust me, it's true. Uh, the margin of difference in the election uh, were the millennials uh, who thought it would be funny if Trump won. So, well, you couldn't hear what he was saying with your earbuds in, you know. Uh, the only wrinkle in the Trump victory is a Trump fail-safe doomsday legal challenge machine kicked in automatically when the polls closed and will tie up results for years. So this, that's the good news. Uh, in the interim, Ivanka will administer the executive branch, as she did the Trump group, and she'll be great. Allowing to Trump to concentrate on Trump TV in its first breakout hit, Trump World, like West World, but you get to shoot and molest real people. Spoiler alert. Anyway, a bigly number, a huge number, huge number of Americans 
have already headed to Canada via the Upper Peninsula Underground Railway, Youper, <laughs> and have been greeted with free medical care and really strong beer, eh? <laughs> I would go to Canada if it weren't north. From the Yukon, you know, Canada is very attractive, I gotta say, because it's, it's straight south. south. Yeah, so, thank you for that, John. Thank you for staying with me on this whole no, concept, no, this whole I'm conceit. No, no, I'm with you. Thank you. To stem the flow of the Great Wall of America, which is still in crates, will be bused from Ciudad Juarez to International Falls, <laughs> where it will inch out east and west, Newfoundland to Vancouver. So uh, look for that. Can't really bisect Niagara Falls. No. But slowly I turned. Step by step. Inch by inch. Thank you for being the only person <laughs> who knows what I mean. That's scary. Uh, President-elect Trump, don't ever say that again, showing unexpected generosity will allow Hillary to serve her four-year sentence for email fraud at Rikers Island <laughs> so she can stay in touch with her New York constituency. It's really much... You're digging this. Inside, you're digging this. She'll be fine. Uh, did Martha Stewart a world of good, you know. <laughs> now going out with Snoop Dogg, pretty cool. All right, ex-President uh, ex Obama and his, near ex-President Obama and his family have provided safe passage to Nairobi. The girls as well, since anchor babies don't play no more, so. It's all for the best. Uh, Trump cabinet selections have not been named yet, but are thought to include celebrity apprentice winners, Trace Adkins, Arsenio Hall, Gene Simmons, Lisa Gibbons, Stephen Baldwin, not the other one, no. <laughs> Chloe Kardashian, Andrew Dice Clay, Clint Black, and Dennis Rodman. Uh. We're in good hands. Okay, fine. Well, the morning after here in Madison, there was, uh, there was no vehicles on the street except for Ford F-150s. <laughs> Did you notice that? Starbucks were filled with folks not feeling the mocha in their java. Ron Johnson won the Senate seat without once admitting he already had it. <laughs> Held it. He should be holding his seat, really, is what I'm thinking. Wisconsin voters gave Trump the victory over Clinton and Trump confidant Bill Belichick over Mike McCarthy. So unconfirmed reports have Tom Brady looking for a place in Ashwabanon, ladies and gentlemen. That could be a good thing. And the one sidebar, the Trump people gave Ted Nugent the wrong date for the inaugural ball. Thank you. And I mean that, seriously. For all the news, it isn't. I'm Truman Bradley. And just one side note here. I will be the greatest president. Oh, Paid seven dollars for that pen. It doesn't even write. T.C. <laughs> Boyle joined us in Santa Barbara, and he just got back from a whirlwind, another book tour that took him everywhere. And in his new one is uh, the Terranauts, and what a perfect time, really, for the Terranauts, because people want to live in a terrarium <laughs> at this point in history, so it, it it couldn't be better. Tom, are you there? Yes, I am, Michael. You catch me in the bathtub, actually. You know, no, we're still in our fifth year of the drought here, and my wife and I are uh, <laughs> taking our monthly bath. Say hello, honey. Hello. 
<laughs> uh, you know, as I told you last year, you know, we're very, very conservative with our water. So once my darling and I were, are done with our bath, we'll be washing our clothes here in the tub, uh, <laughs> then using what's left over to boil the spaghetti, and anything else goes out to the plants. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you're, you're dealing well, adapting to the new reality. Yes, I am indeed. Yes. And really, what and, a fine... Wait, wait, one, yes. one second here, Michael. Yes. Now, uh, when I've talked to you all these past years... Yes. I'm not one to criticize people for uh, for their drinking problems, no. but my God, uh, isn't it a little early to be in a bar? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. What time is it there, Tom? Well, it's only 10.30 in the morning out here. I well, mean, no, I here it's well past noon. noon at least. It's well past noon, Tom. <laughs> and this is Wisconsin. <laughs> and it's homecoming. Look at me. All right. Well, hallelujah. Yo, homecoming! All right. <laughs> How would, I, be, I believe you were making a comment about people wanting to live in a terrarium these yes, days. Yes, 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 yes. Don't you think that the time for this book, it couldn't have been a better time, really, because why not live in a controlled environment <laughs> mm -hmm. where all your needs are met and you just have to survive uh, for two years with a bunch of people you're going to end up hating? Well, of course, yes. And, uh, you know, I'm referring to the biosphere experiment of the early 90s in the Arizona desert in which four men and four women were enclosed inside an artificial environment for two years, the first of 50 projected two-year closures. Mm -hmm. How many were there, actually? It only made it through six months of the second closure because <laughs> the friendly billionaire who had funded the thing had a fight with the friendly creator who had created it. So I'm just projecting a fictional second closure. Yeah. And I don't know if they really hate one another. I mean, four men, four women locked in for two years. Yeah. There's a lot of, of course, sexual hanky-panky going on here. What else are they going to do in there for, yeah. for two years? It's either sex or tilapia. Those are the two choices. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> tilapia was one of their main food sources. And in fact, the, in the true history of this, um, it was it, Jenny Craig should have jumped on this because the men <laughs> lost 18% of their body weight, the women 10%, because they were essentially starving in there. They were subsistence farmers and couldn't managed enough food for the eight of them uh, for, two, for a two-year period. Yeah. Now, what, what was the point of it? this? They, they were living off Earth while on Earth. But that, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a good idea, but... Yes, was... my dear fellow, but um, are we allowed to use the word mared on the air? Yes, you can say <laughs> okay. shit if you want well, to. Now we're podcasting. You know, the, uh, the um, biosphere we live in, so-called Biosphere 1, that's the, this Earth, is kind of turning to marriage right now with, with <laughs> global warming and uh, you know the flooding of the low-lying places. You Wisconsinites don't have to worry about that yet, um, and so it, it becomes more and more attractive to have an artificial environment. You may know that NASA has just uh, uh, concluded a one-year closure in the Mauna Loa crater, where six men and women were uh, enclosed for a full year. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were allowed to go outside, unlike my Terranauts. However, they had to wear spacesuits if they went outside <laughs> because they were simulating what it might be like on a dead planet. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. I'm sorry. Was there was there a point <laughs> I don't with know. that? Have you tried it. Was there a point with that <laughs> not, anecdote? Not I, for sorry, me, I lost, no, I lost you there. Uh, well, I guess is, is this? Do we have a parable? We must have a parable here because it's TC Boyle, and there's something that, beyond what we you see. The people just doing this biosphere thing. By the way, your science background, what is your science background? Because it, it's, it seems to be quite, uh, quite uh, sufficient to this. 
Well, I'm fascinated by biology and our being on this planet, of course. My science background is pretty limited. Uh, who knows, I might have been perfectly happy being a, a field biologist, except there were a few deadly things that happened to me in high school. The first was called <laughs> chemistry, and the second was called math. Yes. So, so yeah. I had no yeah. choice but to become a writer and a jokester. Yeah, but on, for example, uh, Are We Not Men, you're dealing with gene editing, and you seem to have quite a good knowledge of, of, how, of what this, and the effects that it could have. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. This is my story that was in last week's New Yorker, the November yeah. 7th issue. It's one of my faves. I've already been uh, performing it for audiences because uh, my, one of my theories with an audience is uh, you can't sleep and laugh at the same time. So <laughs> I hear them laughing, and it really invigorates me. Yeah. Anyway, this has been my latest obsession. This is uh, CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology, which has yeah, come to the fore in the last two years. You will see in the front of Nature and Science magazines a big ad that shows a, a fist punching in a, in a, in a punching uh, glove, a boxing glove. Yeah. And it says, knock out any gene. They are selling home kits for a mere $5,000. So anybody out there in the audience in your bar can uh, manipulate no, I genetic see, uh, I see doing it right now. bacteria and, and molds and whatnot. Um, now, is this a good idea? Of course. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, well, so well, I'm in, in Are We is that, that a trick I'm, question? I'm jumping into the near future, and I'm uh, creating some new creatures, like, for instance, the crow parrot. Uh, I love you, the crow you know, parrot. A molecular embryologist at the university decided well, look, they, 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 these crows, they're noisy, they're killing our songbirds, they're driving them to extinction. And then this, this, these invasive parrots, you know, they're, they're, they're talking and making noise all the time. Let's, let's, let's combine them and, and keep the parrots from raiding the, the crops and uh, keep the crows from killing the birds. Unfortunately, uh, they became very verbal. So you couldn't go outside without having yeah. them flying up in your face and cursing at you. Right. Then, too, there is the dog cat. And the wait, 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 before you TV. get to the dog, I, I, I don't mean to stop you, because it's almost impossible anyway, but the crow parrot, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you hear from a crow parrot? Well, can I say this on the air? We're not so. on the air. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Can I truly yes, say this on truly. the air? Okay. Well, the parrot flies right up in your face and says, fuck, 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 bad bird, bad bird. Great yeah, imitation of a crow parrot. Is quite yes. typical, the crow parrot. Yeah. Uh, now, also, we have the, the dog. dog cat. Dog and cat. the dog cat, the announcer comes on on the ad, and you hear Paco Bell's cannon, and in his smooth <laughs> tones, he says, dog person, cat person, it's all moot now. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the hilarious thing, Michael. Uh, yes. At the end of the story, I mention oh, eight of these transgenic creatures, including the crow parrot and the dog cat. Uh, the joke is that six of them exist now. <laughs> they do. Yeah, yeah. The super cow, the micro pig, all of this we've we've developed already. So we are in deep trouble. The, the, we have a micro pig. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, you know, remember the the craze for the Vietnamese pot-bellied pig, a uh, miniature pig. But this is just a dwarf variety. Oh. Uh, you know, created by selective breeding in the way that we created all these odd uh, shapes of our dogs. Uh, now, though, uh, we can remove the growth gene and have an actual pig uh, created uh, the size of a cat. 
Now, why would we want this? I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Why are you actually, are you actually in the bathtub now? Yes, I am. Uh, okay. Well, my cool. wife is, is taking up a lot of the space. The water is getting a little cold, but it's the only water we have. You know, you're America's most accessible novelist. What does that mean? I don't know. I, I mean, mean, if we you get know, you in the bathtub, okay, I think it's pretty amazing. a bunch of people out, out at the gate right now. You yeah. know, maybe I should put my clothes back on. Yes. Do you... I mean, how do you feel about being called, being called America's greatest living author? Is well, I, I think that's really great, and I hope we can use that for my epitaph on my tombstone. <laughs> I like the living part of it, most of all, Michael. It's a little, I mean, it's worrisome, isn't it? Because they called, that was Updike who formerly held this. <laughs> yeah, one, one of my friends years ago said, you know, we should open a living author's bookstore. So when anybody dies, you put them on special sale. Yeah. What do you think? I think the phrase living author should be edited, I think. Um, okay. So the metaphor now that this, we almost have like a modern Garden of Eden going on here, but with, with not very good results. Well, of course, the original one didn't have much results either, if you think about it. Um, I'm just very curious uh, about what it would be like to be confined with eight people. They're a team. They're a cult. They, uh, they uh, believe totally in this, in, in creating a new environment, a new world. In fact, the real biosphere experiment had tremendous chutzpah, you know, uh, mm. 3,800 species of plants and animals. Uh, mm. uh, they're trying to generate the kind of uh, oxygen, CO2 ratios we, we see on this planet. They have to recycle all of their water. You, of course, know artificial chemicals were allowed in. Uh, also quite fascinating is uh, once the eight are in there, uh, they're not going to get any diseases from any of us, so that any diseases uh, they might have brought in with them, let's say a common cold, once it's gone, it's extinct. Hmm. Well, okay, come on, Michael, tell me, well, how do you feel about that? I'm mulling that over. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, there's someone who's going to have a common cold, so it will go on. That was what, mm -hmm. what I feel. In fact, the problem with the original biosphere, and the beauty that for me in this book is I can use all of that history and then just project going on, is that they broke closure. With it, they were supposed to be in there for two years, completely sealed in as if they were on Mars. But within 12 days, one of the women uh, cut off the tip of her finger in the rice hulling machine in the basement. And so one of the eight has to be a doctor for obvious reasons. He put it back together as best he could. But finally, it was looking like, a, like blood sausage. So... They had to bring her out to the hospital for five hours. She was only out in our biosphere for five hours. But that kind of ruined the contract for the public. Uh, for me, I remember in, in 91 thinking, hey, wow, this is amazing. But then when they broke closure, it, it, um, it really disenchanted everyone. Mm. And so once they had broken closure, then in their second year, they did pump in oxygen because uh, the CO2 uh, ratios were so high, it was like, living at altitude is like, like they were living at 12,000 feet and people were getting headaches and so on. And they also, instead of doing their blood work and so on internally, which they did the first year, there's a little sleeve uh, in which things can be passed back and forth and they began to pass the test tubes and so on, blood samples out. At that point, everybody got flu inside the biosphere because whoever had handled this thing and passed it back for them, for, you know, uh, had been infected. Hmm. So what am I saying? 
I'm saying. Why should I tell you what you're saying? You should tell me. <laughs> okay, sure, Michael. Um, I'm saying uh, it's a dangerous world out there. Yes, and we have sort of a, a like a, a sort of a, a commune-like attempt, like in Drop City, and yet it's it's a commune fashioned by someone else with with a tremendous ego, the, the the creator, whatever it is, God, the creator, who made this all happen. And is he trying to form people in his own image, or what? What is what is the motive behind actually doing this? The motive is to see if it is possible for us to live off Earth, as NASA is trying to do now, as I said earlier. Yes. Uh, and the motive is, is a good one. I mean, it's, uh, it's one in which uh, we want to try to recreate what we have here. By the way, when, uh, when NASA had its closure uh, August a year ago, um, Elizabeth Colbert, the wonderful uh, yeah, she's great. science writer, mm -hmm. uh, an environmental writer, wrote a piece about it in The New Yorker pointing out how very difficult it is to replicate what we have evolved here on this planet, and that instead of thinking about creating it elsewhere, which has monumental problems and may be impossible, maybe we should just pay a little more attention to the biosphere we're living in now. Yes. Which, as we said earlier, is turning to merit. Which <laughs> is sort of like this whole this Mars thing now. I mean, that... that, that is puzzling. This whole, you know, Elon Musk and all these mm -hmm. other people, their, their goal now is to colonize Mars so you can get a dealership for Tesla, is what I'm thinking. But, but uh, yes, what is the appeal of... There's a lot of, of good real estate available there, Michael, and there are yeah. a lot of uh, apartments available in Baghdad, too, if you're interested. <laughs> but that, it's sort of the same proposition now. They can simulate a Mars environment on Earth and prepare people for living there and not coming back from, uh, from an impossible uh, environment to live in. Right. Uh, the National Geographic of the last month or so had a whole cover story on, on our efforts to go to Mars and the complications involved in just getting there. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, zero gravity is pretty tough on your bone and your brains. And, of course, once you leave our uh, gravitational uh, force, you have uh, tremendous radiation problems as well. So it's not such an easy thing to hop over to Mars. Yes, and I'm... once you get there, there's nothing to eat, by the way. Right, unless you brought it. <laughs> That's right. But the Trump, Trump election makes it somehow uh, desirable. Oh, I was hoping you weren't going I to I wasn't going to say that. that. Let's not go back. <laughs> no, let's, let's, not, not go. let's not go to that. Do, you it know, does make it seem a lot desirable, though, to get shot into space and never come back, doesn't it? Yes. It's, at least it's promising. You know, there's, there's some promise in mind. <laughs> That's right. I, I, sometimes I think that people don't appreciate... Do you feel appreciated as, as a humorist? Uh, yes. Uh, because there's you know, so much I, I humor in your tragedy. I the supermarket laugh at 6 a.m. Yeah. when I'm getting groceries. <laughs> That's my appreciation. No, but I mean it. You're like, you know, Mark Twain did a lot of serious topics, actually, and did them in a humorous way. But I always get a good laugh out of even the worst tragedy in any of your novels or short stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, I'm a literary novelist. This is my 26th book. I've delivered my 27th already, by the way. Uh, this is my life, and I'm trying to figure out what we're doing on Earth. And, uh, you know, we have to use, sometimes we have to use a little um, satiric humor just to wake us up and keep from sobbing all the time. But it's, but it's funny, I mean, because like the, the wedding, for example, uh, in the terrarium, mm -hmm. is one of the best wedding scenes since The Graduate, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. 
Thank you. And of course, all this was done by Mission Control for yeah. uh, publicity purposes. Right. Uh, they're selling, you know, little Terranaut figures in the in the gift shop and so on. So everything had to be orchestrated. And in the actual biosphere, it wasn't quite as big brotherish as in my fictional account of a second closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted it to be more manipulated and for the Terranauts to have less contact with the outside world than in the actual biosphere experiment. Right. And as a former English major myself, I appreciated the large number of unreliable narrators. Yeah, I've never quite done that before. Yeah. Um, there are three narrators, uh, two females and one male, and they are talk to you in the first person. And when I discovered that this was a way to write it, um, it, it I felt it would give me um, uh, greater intimacy. Someone uh, whom you know well and you're involved with their, 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 their trials and their, also their, their, their desires to, to dominate and, and, and first of all just be selected for this. Only eight out of the 16 are selected. I thought that this would um, give you an investment in each one and then when, of course, you hear them successively uh, bitching about each other, I think that it gives you more, uh, more input uh, as a reader. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just like the unreliability of it. I, when I, I guess I, as an English major, when I first got into the notion of an unreliable narrator, I don't know when that was, you know, but uh, I, it's such a cool thing because, you know, you, you, you grow up accustomed to the fact that the narration of a story is the truth. And it's straightforward, and it's the only way of looking at it. And then you get to the unreliable narrator, and you think, God, you know, life is a little more complex than, 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 being, than straightforward. And so are not. Right. right. Well, you know, you and I, of course, are perfectly reliable narrators. <laughs> yes. Um, and it, it is true that in a third-person narrative, uh, yeah. a, the writer is a kind of god standing all over this. And right. we've got layers within layers with, with something like the Terranauts because we have mission control and God the Creator manipulating the lives of these people. But, of course, uh, subtextually, there I am manipulating these people for my own purposes. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, as I have said before, perhaps even on your show, uh, the world is a confusing, dangerous, uh, erratic place ruled by accident, and uh, it's terrifying. So when I'm creating my own world for my own characters, uh, I can uh, control that environment and have anything I want happen. And, of course, by God, they are going to suffer. There you go. And, uh, you know, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Adam's Diary. You know, Twain did Adam's Diary. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know it. You don't know? It's, it's, he, wrote, he wrote this diary about what was going on in, 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 in Eve, for example. He didn't understand anything Eve was doing, why she was there, what she wanted. Why she wasn't wearing any clothes. It was worse than that, really. She, you know, <laughs> her expectations. Suddenly, he, had, he never had expectations before and laid on them, so... But yeah, I, I, Adam's diary, and actually there's an Eve's diary too, but I, it's sort of like, because each of these people, and actually one is, ends up being named Eve, the, the child that's born here. Yes. It's but, inevitable uh, that the biblical connections would come in when you're writing yeah. about uh, a created world. So, I, you know, again, I had all of this sort of, uh, these rich associations uh, to work with, but what it boils down to eventually is that, you know, we are an animal species living on this planet. Uh, we have... Uh, destroyed the resources of the planet, we've radically altered the weather patterns, uh, we've overpopulated, what's next for us? And so uh, there is a very uh, kind of exclusionary idea in um, uh, 
uh, was space colony or a kind of uh, uh, biosphere uh, dome because who's inside and who's outside? Well, the rest of us are outside uh, to deal with everything while uh, a very exclusive and privileged group of people is inside. Right, right. I had the great pleasure uh, this past summer of seeing Dr. Strangelove uh, in a theater. It was revived here in one of our local theaters, and it was great because some of the people, of course, hadn't seen it before and so on. And at the end, when the doomsday device has gone off, uh, Peter Sellers, as Dr. Strangelove, uh, says to the gathered, you know, military honchos and so on, he says, you know, we're going to have to go underground. And he says, well, we will have to have maybe uh, 20 women for every man to repopulate. <laughs> and then all oh, their eyes light up. Yeah, okay, great. But what happens to the rest of us, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, an, it's another great one from T.C. Boyle. It's called The Terranauts. And I know is another collection of, of short stories coming out now? Yes, that'll be next year, The Relief Box and other stories. And uh, the one that you mentioned, Are You Not Men, is featured prominently in it. It's become my new favorite. T.C. Boyle, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Tom, so much. Thanks for sharing your bath with us. From Santa Barbara, T.C. Boyle, ladies and gentlemen. The Terranauts. And we'll leave him just to his bath. I wonder if he was. Do you think he was in the bath? I don't know. I imagined him in there Trumbo style. <laughs> Trumbo? Yeah. Have you seen that movie? With Brian Cranston, he plays Trumbo, who wrote Roman Holiday, and yeah, no, he's Dalton. always writing in the bathtub. Dalton Trumbo. Yeah. The guy was blacklisted. No, I didn't yeah. see. Is he in the? He wrote in the bathtub. I had no idea. Yeah, really great movie. Yeah. I didn't know about that story before. Well, no, thank you. I'll, I'll tie that <laughs> together in retrospect. That's <laughs> like our hello, John. Our old friend Clyde. I'm in the. We called him one time. He's like, I'm in the tub. I'm in the tub. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ah, uh, memories, memories, memories. Yes. Jeff, how are you? Good, Michael. He's in the tub. Yeah, he's in the tub. <laughs> uh, have you read a lot of Boyle? Some, yeah, yeah. Read some? Yeah. yeah a couple of things. One, I, which slips my memory right now. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? <laughs> I like that one. Great with a story. And a... The Road to Wellsville. The Road to Wellsville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, uh, the serial wars right, Kellogg, in, Grand, in yeah. Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Which was actually hilarious. And yeah. they made a movie out of it. It was pretty good, too, actually. Yeah, the movie was actually good. Was actually, yeah, that's it, how I got it, it was introduced to the book. It pretty good, yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff when you just, if somebody says, oh, that's about this, it sounds like, what? That sounds horrible. But if you actually read it, it's like, wow. No, they're, and they're, all, they're always funny. Amidst the tragedies, yeah, there's that's always a, good a lot of laughs. Yeah, well, he's, he's a funny guy. So. Yeah. Okay. What just you like got, you. What you got for us uh, here, John? Uh, well, this is a tune. It's an old standard, but it's something that maybe we all need at this moment. It's called. Are there the, any new standards? I mean, yeah, there are. A lot, a lot of new standards. You could just say it's a standard. I think. Yeah, no, a lot of new standards. Okay. They kind of. It takes a while. Name for one new standard. Uh, one new standard. Well. Uh, uh, See. Uh, Made my point well, for me. Well, an Elton John tune called "Sorry" seems to be the, the saddest one. Oh, that's a very of, nice song. Yeah, yes. That's okay. Kind of a new okay. Standard. Cool. You win. Anyway, uh, this is by Rogers and Hart. It's called With a Song in My Heart. I love Rogers and Hart.
Uh, uh, we could uh, we could adapt that too for an older crowd with a stent in my heart with uh, uh, cl uh, clog in my heart with a what clot in my heart with a clog in my heart <laughs> clot a new standard <laughs> with a stent in my heart yeah. how are you Stephanie oh you I'm chance? okay Michael yeah you're still a little depressed about uh, certain yeah, things certain yeah certain things <laughs> are you doing okay though or? I don't Oh, I think that a lot of us are struggling right now to understand what to do next. <laughs> yeah. So. Are you talking about the election or are you talking about something personal? Oh, I'm talking about the election. <laughs> Let's talk about something personal because we can do something about that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> about something personal? No, yes. But never mind. It's just, just me. Uh, you know, it's just the Bloody Mary speaking. Uh, you know, I mean, I've I, I been here started doing radio during Reagan, you know. So you, you get sort of, I'm not saying this is like that, but I'll tell you, it was sort of, in Madison, when, you know, Reagan got elected and immediately fired all the air traffic controllers who were controlling all the flights that were going on in the country, uh, that was pretty scary, you know, and it was the same sort of feeling. And yet, look how well we came out of that whole thing. Yeah, it's interesting because yes. I don't know what it was like when Reagan was elected. No. But because you uh, probably weren't born at that point. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So there was no way of your anticipating that sort of shock to the system. Well, but in retrospect, everybody loves Reagan. So in retrospect, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. So, so maybe, Not I know that. I'm just trying to comfort her. Will you stop trying to comfort her? So in retrospect, I'm sure Trump will be uh, regarded as the greatest American president since Gerald Ford. <laughs> Possibly. Okay, well, I'll go in the audience then because oh, I'll just leave. I wish I could help more, but... Yeah, I wish we all could help more. Yeah, you know, it, you know I think it should be motivating to people to get involved mm -hmm. and uh, prevent that's, this. That's what I'm hopeful about is that yes. this will... Mobilizing. Create yeah, mobilizing, mobilizing, more dialogue between people and community members. So yes. there can be good that can come out good, of it. Good, good for mobilizing. <laughs> Don't you agree? I suppose so. Okay, good. That's a strong <laughs> affirmation. Uh, Aaron Moonlight, is that a real name? It is? She's in the bathroom? She's moonlighting in the bathroom. I'd go in there, but it's the wrong one for me. Aaron, Aaron, knock on the door if you're all right. Oh, Aaron, is that you? Okay, everything okay? Okay, we, we're worried you're in there a long time. So just, you know, let us know if there's... Powdering your nose? Okay. Uh, if you weren't on the radio, where would you be? I'd be right here because I'm not on the radio. That's all I wanted to say to you. End up working in a bar while drinking. It's really a bad combination. Uh, where's the office party next year? Oh, this year. Uh, right good. Chance to forward promote, which I don't do oh, enough great. of. December 17th, December I December 17th, right here. At bring a dish to pass at the high noon. Bring a dish to pass, because we can do that now. We couldn't do that in public radio because they outlawed it. Because they're a bunch of tight asses. Oh, 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 sorry. Uh, John. Yes, that's true, but that's not the reason. The reason was there's state law 
uh, the oh. Walker administration passed an anti-potluck party oh. law. That's like anti-religious almost. Just too many regular people were having potluck parties, oh. and they couldn't control it. It's a so Lutherans-only kind of thing? or I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> Only Lutherans can have potlucks in their little church business? Yes, hey, really. You're supposed to have a church affiliation if you have a potluck. Now oh. we're going to do it because we're on podcasting. There's a podcasting potluck. Oh, I like that. So. It's a podluck. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Eventually, I would have got around to saying that, but uh, I've been sort of stymied by some certain influences. Anyhow, so December 17th, uh, right here, bring a dish to pass or don't. I don't care. Who's going to know? And, uh, and we're going we're to have the polka band. Meisner's, Steve Meisner is going to be here again. So the whole polka thing going on. Applause for Steve Meisner. And uh, we'll have the... Uh, the uh, the spiced eggnog. The eggnog, yeah. So, so it's have a wonderful time. You know, you, sh you shouted out one thing; it was good. You don't want to keep doing it because some of them are just not going to add up, and that's what I do for a living. So. All right, here's uh, Barbara. Long name after that. Nothing important. Uh, from Clay Center, Nebraska. I know how to butcher chickens. Finally, something I can relate to. <laughs> okay. You butcher chickens? I have. You don't currently do it, or you? Yeah. Did you just uh, do it at like a, a hobby level, or were you on a farm? Um, well, my parents had a, lived on a small farm. And that's don't worry, that's his microphone. <laughs> um, and... We raised chickens, hundred at a time. Hundred chickens at a time. Right, and then then we butchered them as a family. Oh my god! Did you gosh. let them lay some eggs first? <laughs> oh, as a family, I think is the key phrase. Oh uh, yeah. No, we did not let them lay eggs. They were pullets. Oh, they were pullets. So they were raised just to be slaughtered. Right, to be eaten. And so, and where was this farm? In Clay Center, Nebraska. Nebraska, right? So you mentioned that, yes. Yeah. Is that when you got out of the farm business uh, after that experience? Well, I, <laughs> I ran away from home and, and ended up here. <laughs> so I don't butcher chickens anymore. Okay, well, there's a <laughs> this is a possible T.C. Boyle story. And I think we should get him out of the bathtub and consider your life as a possible subject. Yeah, well, <laughs> it could be. What, what age were you? I was uh, just 17. Was it the chickens that drove you out? Uh, well, partly. <laughs> okay, let's leave it at that. Thank you. And your name is? Barbara Gavin Llewellyn. Barbara, very nice to meet you. Thank you for coming here. Thank you. Barbara Gavin Llewellyn, ladies and gentlemen. Very interesting stuff. Uh, let's see, Holly Hencher, looks like. Ah, right next to Barbara. It says, Hustler and Communications. <laughs> is that Hustler? Well, it's not Hustler, is it? Right, writer. <laughs> I mean, I guess not too dissimilar sometimes. <laughs> oh, writer, yeah, I thought it was an H. It's a W. Uh, South Central, are you here for the game? You're from Illinois? No, I live here now. It's much more interesting and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to our shores. I know all about gluten-free uh, something in cooking. 
and living. Okay, are you gluten-free? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you miss it? I mean, yeah. gluten is what gives things flavor. It's so good. I love gluten, but it doesn't love me. So, Aww. Luckily, there are many alternatives, as I'm sure I'm not the only one in the audience who has had this uh, dietary shift, but... Dietary what? Sh shift. Oh. <laughs> 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 but, um, I think we made kind of a boogeyman out of gluten. I think gluten is, there's a lot to be said for it. Yeah, it's great. However, I think um, the technology and the green revolution has changed the physical components of wheat, and not everyone's uh, digestive system can handle it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Mine can't handle it, but I still eat it. <laughs> I never thought you should have good digestion as, as a basis for life. You know, you have, uh, I grew up in a home where I had nothing but uh, heartburn for the first, and I thought when I, you know, when I went away from home, I thought my heart stopped beating. Oh. I didn't feel anything in there anymore, but it was a heart, you get, you get used to heartburn and you live with it because gluten is so good, and fat. <laughs> I love fat. Yes, you can't replace fat with anything because there's only one, fat is, is what makes things taste good. Yeah. Butter, lots of butter. Butter, <laughs> fat, gluten, all those things. Okay. They make the world go round. Okay. <laughs> I've convinced you to change your ways. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to meet you. Oh, likewise. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Sue uh, Tierman. I'm a groupie for my Oregon Wisconsin Suns band, Distant Cousins. Distant Cousins fans are here. Well, that's right. I talked to you a little bit earlier. Distant Cousins actually played here at the uh, high noon. Yes? Yeah. And they're a young group. They're a young group, and they're developing, and they're, they're your... Grandson. Grandson, yes. Grandson. Oh. Grandson. Oh, yeah. oh, you're a grandson, too. You're both. No, I don't know. I'm not a grandson. You're a grandson. Yeah. I'm Sue. I'm Sue. I'm Sue. What does that make you to? The mom. Oh, no. Them? I'm. She's my mom. She's your mom? <laughs> She's a mother-in-law. She's a mother-in-law. Yes. I wish she has a daughter-in-law. Just curious. Just wonderful. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Distant Cousins, a group, and they're doing well. Yes, they are. They actually just won the Mama Emerging Artist competition last Saturday, and then they also played here on Sunday. Yeah. Distant Cousins. Okay. Distant Cousins group here. I just go to school. Okay, in Oregon, Wisconsin, Ben. Is that you? Don't say just go to school. That's about my life, though. Yeah, I know, but that's an important thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what would you rather be doing, Ben, than going to school? Um, I, <laughs> Imagine there were no laws that said you had to go to school. What would you do? Sleep. <laughs> but you got to get up sometime. You... Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do, then I mean, you get up, and then you probably want to be doing something, or don't you? I really don't want to do anything. No, you get up. <laughs> So what do you do? You get up and you go back to sleep again, or? Basically. Basically. Don't you ride your bike, or? <laughs> no. Soccer, or? No. Foosball, or something? Baseball, baseball. Well, that's only like two months in the summer, though. <laughs> so 10 months of the year, you do absolutely nothing except sleep. I mean, Given your choice. I mean, I have a computer, but that isn't really anything. Well, I mean, it is something, but I wouldn't count it as doing anything. <laughs> okay. 
you know, I need to work with you, but I, we don't have time to do it right here and uh, get you more involved in, in, in doing things. But do you like anything about school? Um, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. Well, that's good because we need that too because you're probably too smart for school. I mean, I, I was a, form, a former school teacher and I had many students who were smarter than I am and thought I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so maybe you feel, maybe you're just a little ahead of the curve as far as schooling. No. <laughs> All right, Ben, like talking to you. You got a future in this business. You can do some radio or podcasting. Uh, you know what? Anybody here like to play the uh, quiz? The what do you know quiz chance for you to win some fabulous prizes just for being fabulous. You've always wanted to, uh, you have that look about you, like you, so you're like perked up all of a sudden. That's not how my face always looks, I just, I'm perky. What? I'm just perky. You're just purty. Oh, perky. Perky. I thought I said, well, do you want to play the quiz? I wouldn't say no. Sure. What would you say, yes? That would be a, yeah, that would What's be What's your name? Epi. Epi? Epi. Epi. Yes. Epi. Love the name, Epi. Come on up here, Epi. Win some fabulous prizes. Come on, we got them. We got to give them away. Why not? Epi's coming up here now. Here's Epi, everybody. Give Epi a little, come on, a little encouragement here. Yeah, have a seat right here. And just for saying that, Epi, I want to give you my Donald talking pen. Because I never want to hear this again, so I'm giving that to you. Just... Thanks for cursing me with that. Yes, awesome. wonderful. It's supposed to say eight different things, but it keeps saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Greatest president God least, ever I mean, it, it is a huge pen. It is. <laughs> it's a very big pen. Epi, what do you do in life as we know it, Epi? Uh, I'm a, a loss prevention clerk. Loss prevention clerk? Yeah, that like sounds a, like a, out of Kafka or something. Yeah, a, a receptionist with a metal detector. I don't understand oh. anything that's happened today. Uh, you are a receptionist with a metal detector. Mm -hmm. Explain any of that. Uh, I'm just making sure that people aren't uh, stealing things from the warehouse I work at. Oh, you're in so, a warehouse yeah. and they, they yeah. so you detect them? Yes, I detect, what you... detect people and provide them with a wonderful candy dish and do paperwork. Yeah, is this what you hoped for when you were younger, thinking someday I, I, I want to be a loss always, protection? Yes. I, I saw the button-up blouses, and I said, I just, I really want to be a receptionist. <laughs> what, uh, in school, what was your major or your training in? Uh, I started studying Spanish. Spanish? Yeah. So you could do this in, really in a lot of, in Latin America. Yes. Know? Loss yes. protection yes. in Latin America would be good. Yeah, here in uh, Venezuela, there's a need for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not doing loss protection, Epi. What, what are you doing? Uh... Training horses. Are you? Oh, cool. Being a really awesome aunt. Yeah. You're awesome and you're perky. Yeah. I like that about you, Happy. And you, tra you train horses, really? What, what, what sorts do you train and or what is your background in that? Uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah? Yeah. You do, I mean, dressage and yes, all that kind of stuff? Yes, that was dressage with my background. Yeah. Wow, well, no, come cool. You can make horses dance. That's yes, really yeah, important. Really fun. <laughs> yeah. Have you been doing that for a while? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, quite, a, quite a while. But yeah. never had my own. Always just kind of offered to train other people's. Yeah. How did you develop the skill? Did you grow up on a ranch or nearby? No, no. I think um, my parents felt guilty when they got divorced and bought me riding lessons. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And you just got totally into the whole horse thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm, definitely. Wow. Do you have a, a horse now that you're very uh, proud of who's a great dancer? <laughs> I, I helped a friend adopt my old horse, and oh. uh, that's, that's kind of my focus right now. Yeah, what, what was the horse called? Uh, Phoebe's Choice. Phoebe's she Choice. A, a failed racehorse. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. now she's dancing. Yes. Now she has goat friends and lives on a farm by herself. Oh, nice. And, yeah. It's hard to say to let go, I bet, huh? of Phoebe's Choice. Yeah, she's got good good folks now. Yeah, new owners. Yeah, are you thinking about a new horse or? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm I'm too involved with my loss prevention activities. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Though. Dressage is an amazing thing. My ex-wife got into dressage after she left me. Yeah. What Started my, training uh, horses. <laughs> my brother says, you know, uh, horse people are the the future divorcees of America. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you know, men, horses, you know. Tough choice, right? <laughs> a horse you can train. Come on. <laughs> All right. Epi, someone out there will uh, call in. Oh, we didn't give the number recently, did we, to call in? For we the haven't quiz. yet, but I would be happy to do that. Michael. Why don't you do that? Uh, okay, I will. If people want to play the quiz, they're going to pick up the phone and dial 608-250-3222 and answer this qualifying question. Oh, come on. Qualifying question. We're all adults. <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, are, do we have people there are watching now? Probably on YouTube is what I'm thinking. We don't know because we didn't really mention it. We don't know? We don't know? We do? I got one thumb and, and, two, <laughs> and two hands ups. My crack crew. All right, here's the qualifying question. If you want to play in a quiz here with Epi. And uh, the question is, MetLife Insurance is letting who go? A very famous individual being let go by Metropolitan Life Insurance uh, after 31 years. So if you think you know the answer to that, give us a call here at, uh, what was that again? At 608-250-3222. Yeah, okay, that's the number to call. And uh, phones are not ringing off the hook now, so uh, you do a lot, you still do a lot of writing though, I would imagine. Uh, some, yeah. 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 Gets spendy. Gets expensive. Yeah, it really does, really. So, yeah. To... Not as expensive as actually owning one, though. Yeah. No, I found ways to avoid owning them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, because I ended up owning horses with wife number one. <laughs> and uh, we had three of them. One was like a pony. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> like a Shetland or something like that. Awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're the worst. Yeah, the, it was a pony that could actually go on its side and slide underneath the fence. It was really <laughs> kind of cool to see it escape. It escaped many times that way. And it was dusty. Anyhow, but it was very, very expensive. Between the vets, things, and everything else they do, and all the strange diseases horses get. Yes. Can you ride a pony? Ah, uh, yes, you can. Yes, okay. you can. Yes, yes. Like a, a human adult could yes, ride a pony. Yes, I used to. I, yes, I, Sorry. as a volunteer, I would um, exercise horses for uh. a children's riding program for uh -huh. kids with disabilities. And one of the, the ones they stuck me with was a pony named Chip. Huh. And yeah. that is, that, that uh, yeah, nightmares. Yeah. Oh. And we had a, a neurotic quarter horse, too, though. <laughs> really neurotic. Yeah. Uh, some of them get that way from years of captivity I think you know <laughs> whatever you know Definitely. Sonny I love Sonny very nice guy but he, he had a neurosis about puddles <laughs> well they, they're bottomless didn't you know that puddles are bottomless I feel that yeah. way I didn't know the horse did that was a <laughs> yeah. shock 
discover that at a certain Okay, here we got people calling in right now from all over, including uh, Arby in central Kentucky. Oh. <laughs> Arby, this is uh, Epi. This could be made Hi, in heaven. Hi, Arby. What, what do you do there in central Kentucky, Arby? Uh, very little. Very little here. Yeah. Staying warm. Yeah. What are you doing today, for example? Uh, watching you on YouTube. That's oh. it for the day? Well, uh, pretty much. And then later on, what are you going to do? Uh, drink beer, eat supper. Drink beer and eat supper? Uh-huh. What, what you, are you cooking? Uh, I cooked yesterday, so I don't have to cook today. I can oh. just drink beer and then eat. Okay. Well, what did you fix yesterday? Cream chicken on biscuits. Uh, last from the past. Okay. So that chicken, how long has that lasted you so far? <laughs> uh, I cooked it last night, so it'll go another couple of days. Oh, okay. So you're just starting on that chicken. You betcha. That's a good thing. <laughs> and then tonight, are you going to go out and have a little fun? It's the weekend. No, no. <laughs> yeah. When, when you say Central Kentucky, what would that be exactly? Uh, Marion County. Marion oh. County. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. The knobs. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> our, our, here's, here's Seriously, a, the knobs. <laughs> the knobs. Yeah, I know. It's called the knobs, right? Yep. 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 Uh, see, I'm not totally stupid. I just seem that way <laughs> when you first hear me. Uh, where was the question? I forget where I put that. MetLife. I, I can tell you the answer. Okay, go ahead. Snoopy. Snoopy is right. Thank you, Arby, so much. All the way from the knobs in central Kentucky. Uh, Arby, this is Epi. Uh, we've met. Yes. Okay, okay. I just want to... <laughs> formalities. Good luck. Uh, formalities all aside, and uh, you are partners in this. You collaborate with various categories, don't we, Stephanie? We do. Those categories are current events, people, places, things you should have learned in school, had you been paying attention, science, and odds and ends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. What? Odds and... Yes, okay. Arby, let's pick the first one. What would you like? Oh, let's go with science. Science it is. Okay, here it is. Science. Uh, tickling rats until they giggle proves what? A, tickling, that's tickling what until they laugh? Rats. Tickling oh. rats. What does it prove? <laughs> yes. Rats are ticklish and they laugh. Well, let me just finish the question, Harvey. <laughs> tickling rats until they giggle proves what? A, that scientists will do anything. B, that rats don't always feel like being tickled. Or C, that rats will do anything. Probably A. Uh, the rats do really enjoy being tickled. Uh, what was the second one? Uh, they don't always feel like being tickled. Huh. What do you think, Epi? Uh, <laughs> all of the above, but I think B in particular. Oh. You want to go with that feeling, Arby? Uh, what were you thinking, Arby? I that, was thinking A. That scientists will do anything, <laughs> which I think is probably but true. That's always true. I think you're probably right. So let's go with B. Okay, that's true. Uh, they don't always feel like being tickled, which uh, supposedly has implications for human behavior, but I don't get it. That's uh, one right, and the remaining categories are current events, people, places, things you should have learned in school, <laughs> and odds and ends. Okay, Epi, what would you like? How about odds and ends? Odds and ends. All right. Uh, prehistoric people used cave. What? <laughs> oh, prehistoric people used cave lions. There was something called cave lions in the old days. Prehistoric people used cave lion pelts for one of the following. Uh, was it for towels, for rugs, or for outfits? I would guess rugs. What do you think, Epi? Uh, I don't picture cave ancient people having rugs. 
but I definitely mm. picture them having clothes. Okay. Well, should we give Arby a, a break because he, he yeah. went with you in here? Yeah. It could be an instinctual thing. Yeah, I would think those cave floors get awfully, awfully cold and damp. I think. Probably invented the rug in a cave, don't you think? <laughs> okay, I, I mean, yes, that's right. Rugs. Yes, rugs. All right. They use them for rugs. First rugs. That's two right, and the remaining categories are uh, current events, cave lions. people, <laughs> places, and things you should have learned in school. Yeah. What would you oh use them for? Let's go with school this time. School? Okay. School it is. All right. School. Okay. F equals C times 9 fifths plus 32 is a handy formula for converting what to what? Or let's go with... Um, <laughs> I have no idea. What do you think, Abby? <laughs> I'm with uh, T.C. Boyle on this one. Chemistry and math just... Okay. We're not... F equals C, okay, times 9 fifths plus 32, handy formula for converting what to what. What measurement and what from a measurement to what? I'm getting absolutely no help. Conversion of measurements. Uh, in a, in 32 makes me think... Fahrenheit and Celsius. Ah, okay. I'll go with that. Yes, that's right. Degrees Fahrenheit and Celsius. Epi, you'll keep those lips of love in tip-top condition with cowgirl lip balm in a container that looks like a miniature cowgirl from Seattle's Archie McPhee at mcphee.com. RB from pantyhose in 1988 to spam and whiskey pie in 2010, you can relive the first 25 are the hardest on the CD compilation of Michael Feldman's What Do You Know, produced by Tom Blaine with cover art by Nora Feldman. Congratulations to both of you. Enjoy that lip balm, Epi. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, Thank best, you. Best to you. Arby, hang on. We'll make sure you get that. Thanks for okay. uh, playing. Thank you, Michael and Epi. Okay. All right. Michael Feldman, made possible by Kickstarter and the best audience a guy ever had, and depends in large measure on John Tooling, Jeff Hammond, Tom Blaine, Aubrey Ralph, Lyle Anderson, Dylan Brogan, Sheila Shigley, and yours most definitely, Stephanie Lee. Watch us grind our sausage live on YouTube at youtube.com slash user slash whatiatube. Call in to play the quiz at 608-250-3222. And mine a mother load of what do you know nuggets at whatdoyouknow.net. Follow Michael on Twitter at myfeldman and slice the finished salami on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you all for coming, joining us for this edition of What Do You Know. And thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and thanks for downloading on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Boys in the band. John Tooley, Jeff Hammond, Stephanie Lee.